everything is changing about the NBA, and now we're hearing more about how the draft process will be impacted. And is the league going to converge on Las Vegas to finish out the season? And with this hiatus, we try to figure out how to fill it with television programming for you NBA fans. It's the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll tell you some programming that's not going away. It's this Locked On NBA podcast, still pumping out podcasts for you on a regular basis, a day-to-day basis. So first of all, thanks for making this show part of your daily routine on Wednesdays. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Corrales. I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. Jake, how's the uh, hiatus treating you so far? It's all right. Everyone's safe. Working out a little bit more than I had been, so that's kind of been, you know, a nice silver lining of everything, and we're good here in New Orleans. That's, you know, that's not a bad place to be stuck. I know everybody's dealing with it in a lot of different ways. Good here in Boston so far. Um, hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy, taking all the proper precautions. We are sitting here talking about the NBA, trying to figure out what the hell is happening with this league as it tries to figure out it's very, very uncertain future. Right now, it's, uh, this is the April 1st podcast and April generally means playoff time. It generally means we have watched or would soon be watching a, uh, national champion, uh, March Madness winner be crowned. Uh, we'd be knee deep in, in the draft and we're, Trying to figure out amongst the other things is how Jake, this, this draft process is going to work. And on, uh, Tuesday, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on, uh, the boardroom podcast, uh, was talking about, he was asked about the, the process and basically said, you, you can't hold an NBA draft until the season is over and until we figure out when the season is going to start and end, if it does restart and end. We can't figure out exactly when the NBA draft's going to happen, which means the NBA draft might not happen until, I don't know, September, October? Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I was looking at the, kind of the dates of the regular season. We would have been exactly two weeks away from the end of the regular season today, and we are nowhere near that sort of thing right now. And the NBA draft was supposed to be June 25th. That doesn't seem even remotely in the realm of possibility and it just leaves all of this stuff kind of up in the air of the NBA trying to figure out what exactly it is they're trying to do. And, you know, I don't know. Like, that's kind of the thing. I don't think they really know either. And I know people want to kind of have answers in a time of uncertainty. But unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get them right away. But it does seem to make sense that they would hold the NBA draft after the regular season. You know, they use the end, the, the playoffs to kind of figure out the draft order with the team that wins the finals, getting the final pick and so on, moving all the way down until you get to the lottery. So until the playoffs kind of get determined and the finals are played out, you don't know what that order would be unless you go kind of a different route of things. Doesn't baseball do theirs in the middle of the season and it's based off like exactly what it is then? So unless you want to kind of go really different, but I don't think the NBA wants to necessarily set like different sort of um, precedents in this, even in these kind of times of like very big weirdness. Yeah, this is – it's tough to sit there and, and switch the entire mechanism of the draft. Yeah. Uh, not just because it's, it's difficult to do, but all of the teams planning 
has led up to this moment. Okay. They're, the draft is a key part of team building. So one of the reasons why you can't hold it, I think, in the middle of the season is draft day trades generally include players and we don't know how teams That's are a very going good to be. point. You know, like you can't yeah. do, uh, we'll trade you the first pick, like the Celtics have Shemi Ojale. But we'll trade you the first pick and Shemi Ojale for, you know, for, for your pick of whatever. And then Shemi Ojale is not guaranteed. You guys cut him. You don't know when his guaranteed date is going to happen now. You don't know what's going to happen with if the Celtics are in the playoffs and somebody gets hurt. Well, we're going to need Shemi Ojale. For, uh, you know, he's, he's had turns defending Milwaukee, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that I think it's too disruptive to teams. Um, and Woj makes that point, uh, as well. Like teams who are out get to make trades, but teams who are playing would, would not be able to that. It's not a level playing field. Um, no, and I, and I think that's the thing. Like, it, We'll probably talk about this in the next segment of if you do a short and regular season, is that unfair to certain teams? And here in New Orleans, we'd say yes. But in this kind of time, I think there might be situations where you just have to make like the least worst decision possible. And it might mean that teams get screwed over or things are unfair to them. And I think the NBA does want to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, with all of that, but I wonder if they're going to have to kind of make these some, you know, tough decisions that are unpopular with certain clubs. The other thing is, you know, I don't think teams are even like uh, prepared to kind of do some of the scouting and some of the work you'd need to do to actually draft guys at the regular date and time. You know, you have a combine that's May 21st to 24th. The, the draft is um, basically exactly a month after that. So you need to have that kind of month baked in for teams to do their jobs because, you know, some mis- mishandled drafts can really set these teams back, and I don't think these teams want to get rushed into having to make a decision on a certain player, too. Right. You don't have the opportunity to sit down and talk to a guy. You know, look him in the eyes. Um, you don't have that opportunity to see him in his surroundings, to watch him from afar and see his body language and, and things like that. Like, all of these things that that's play That's important, too. It, very important. That's, that's what the Combine is kind of for. Um, you don't get this opportunity just to see, you know... Even sidebar things. Who was he hanging out with? You know, what are his parents like? What what ancillary thing is going to impact? Is this is this a guy we want to draft? Is this a tiebreaker between two guys that we want to draft? So th- there's a lot uh, at stake. Uh, from a kid's perspective, this is this is a very difficult situation as well. Ooh, this is w- where it gets, I think, uh, it, very interesting. And this is why I wanted to bring it up more so than just pushing the date back because I think that's the natural thing to do here. But this is where it gets interesting, and they've talked about it on ESPN, too, where they said, you know, you have some of maybe these late first-round guys, potentially second-round guys, and now they're uncertain if they should put their name into the draft or if they should go back to school for a year, potentially, because if you don't know when the season's going to start next or when the draft might get uh, take place and things are pushed back, you don't know when you're going to sign that contract and start getting paid for this sort of thing. And if you're not the type of person, and not all of them are, where you can survive six months without sort of some sort of uh, things getting paid for, whether it's food through school and all of that, or an NBA paycheck, maybe you kind of take the burden hand and go back for a year because it's the safe choice, which then impacts the draft the next year by being more of a loaded draft. And I like that's when you can kind of go down a rabbit hole, I think. Yeah, you really, really can. I mean, I'm thinking about just... 
from personal experience, the Boston Celtics. They, the, the way the whole timeline usually falls is, you know, the Celtics draft these guys. You go to summer league. Yep. Bring in some guys that were kind of fringe guys. You have your guys that you cut at training. You bring them in. Your, your, the plan is to cut them and send them to your G League team. The Celtics, uh, took Max Struess, who, uh, and, and immediately gave him, uh, a two-way deal. Then they had to, uh, then Javante Green, who was going to be a, a camp cut, kind of took the last roster spot. So they had to upgrade Max Struess to a, a, a guaranteed contract, then cut him because they didn't want to screw him over financially, and then have Javante Green get the guaranteed contract, and then all of those things happen. It doesn't really matter. Javante Green played a pivotal role in one NBA game this season. But you know what it is? It's guaranteed money for him. It's it, it, it's it, his living. It's his living. He just made uh however many hundred thousand uh, dollars yeah. that he wouldn't have made. Foreign seasons start whenever they're going to start. And if they are, you know, canceled now or whatever, and, and they start up before the NBA even finishes this season, Guys who are on the fringes, those end of first round guys, second round guys, those are the ones that are going to try to figure out like, well, do I have a summer league to prove myself or do I have to go to Poland for a year? And if I go to Poland, am I, is my season going to jive with the, with the NBA season? Am I ever going to get a chance again to come and try and, and play in the NBA like, like that has been my dream? No, exactly. And so that's where this kind of gets interesting of does this weaken the pool of the draft potentially because these guys don't know what they're going to end up doing and maybe you go back to college because you don't want to deal with some of the stuff you just said. And it's again, it's kind of the, the shrug emoji, which is what I've been using a lot you know, with people because like I don't know. I don't have an answer and the NBA doesn't have an answer either. And it's just one of those things that it's like when do you have to make a call on this? But yeah, like this is why this whole topic's interesting and why we're talking about it here because frankly it just brings up more questions than, you know, from the one we initially started with. Yeah. Uh I I still feel like and I don't know if you feel like it I, I just don't feel like you can screw teams over in their their long-term planning by eliminating the uh, the ability to function all on the same page. Either all teams get to make trades or no team gets to make trades. Even if they decide to change the date and do it in July anyway, because they feel like they have to, then you have to, you have to figure out a, a, a way of doing this that allows every team to be on, on the same page, which, which opens up a whole new, uh, set of tentacles in this crazy thing. So, uh, the draft process strongly impacted, strongly impacted by all of this. So keep an eye on that. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Here, when we come back, we'll be keeping an eye on Las Vegas as a potential place for all of this to restart. Anyway, we talked about Summer League. Maybe it's going to be summer regular season. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to be sitting here trying to figure out how to stay healthy in my house. Sometimes I can go for a run, but, you know, social distancing, we have to be careful. Maybe you should get yourself a piece of exercise equipment, okay? Getting fit nowadays You don't have to join a gym, you can't go to the gym, and you don't have to pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in shape right now in your home isolation, it's with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price 
of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everybody, busy moms and dads, first responders, elite athletes, whatever your activity level, which I'm sure is suffering right now, with daily live on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to set foot in a gym again. You'll love Echelon, and if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get your money back. Join hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Don't pay a ton for Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under a thousand dollars. Under a thousand dollars. Go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A to learn about their limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. A report out this week from CNBC suggests the NBA is looking strongly at Las Vegas as a place for it to resume its regular season. Uh, the Las Vegas Summer League is obviously run out of UNLV, and that plan would seemingly be the blueprint for resuming their season. Uh, and Jake, you know, I kind of never really thought about Vegas because it's Vegas and it's, it, you know, so, <laughs> much, so much crowding and everything. I, I was looking when I was thinking about where can the league restart the season? I was thinking more remote places, but if they can find a way to guarantee player safety, public health and all of that stuff, uh, and they can figure out a plan and the country can figure itself out a little bit by July, they're already planning on being in Las Vegas anyway. They're already starting to make accommodations for being in Las Vegas in July and to play games at two gyms in UNLV. They could just be like, you know what? See a summer league. We're just going to drop the regular NBA season here and do it that way. Yeah, that was my first guess as to why it was uh, Vegas was the one that was picked. You know, I think if you were looking at something like this, you know, something that has a lot of close hotels basically where the players could live or like, I don't know, complexes of sorts where the players could live and then easy to get to a court and you probably need a couple of gyms to be able to do this, at least two, I'd say. So Vegas makes sense. And if you already have kind of the travel arrangements, hotels booked, things like that, not that it would really matter because I'm sure there's been cancellations everywhere on this sort of thing and they could figure out the logistics but you know what it still does right kind of by the city of las vegas which does definitely rely a little bit on some of the summer league stuff so it seems to make a lot of sense i think you know these hotels and casinos and resorts are big enough where you could kind of give them some free time to go do their thing they're not just cooped up inside with each other which is probably an important thing too so I, I like this idea. It seems to make sense. The Premier League in England is, is kind of following a similar thing where they're going to do it just outside of London in the Midlands area where they're just going to kind of have team camps and then they're going to go to a central location, play their games and then go back to their camps. This is pretty similar to that. And this seems like kind of the most logical outcome, I think, of trying to figure out what to do. What do they do? Do they like Lysol bomb the Bellagio and just disinfect everything? Probably needs it anyway. So, like. <laughs> I mean, you stick all of these guys into one hotel, uh, just sterilize the crap out of it. Um, it sterilized the uh, casino. It's, Give them the casino. <laughs> it's got like the pool and everything they could use. You know, yeah. like think about like that stuff. They're gonna have downtime. 
but all of these teams do figure out how to practice in Vegas when there's what uh, 30 teams there now, I think it is, or is it 28? So like the logistics for are already in place. And I think that's an important thing to kind of think about getting like stuff delivered and all the logistics of that. Vegas is perfect for that sort of thing. Again, you have the infrastructure in place. Um, basically everyone that works out there is kind of in sort of the service industry and I'm sure is struggling right now too. So having the NBA and giving a lot of those jobs back to that city in particular makes a lot of sense. Sure. Uh, not that it's different from others, but you get what I mean. No, of course. And, and so like, yeah, like why not do this now? You know, how are you going to figure out the playoffs? Are they abbreviated? Is the regular season abbreviated? You know, that's where things start to get, a, you know, really interesting. Sure. Yeah. You know, one thing to keep in mind here as we we continue to learn about the coronavirus and how it behaves, there is the suggestion that it, like the flu, would not do well in heat. So if you put the NBA in Las Vegas in the summer, there's plenty of heat there. I mean... It's, it's pretty hot. <laughs> if, if the science backs it up and the... The coronavirus does not do well in heat and it lessens the chances of being transmitted. Then that's another reason to do it in a place like Las Vegas. So there, there's another thing to just kind of watch. Um, if it's, even if it's not Vegas for them to go to a place that's, that is like the least, uh, likely uh, environment for the thing to be transmitted because as part of the logistics, you have to make sure everybody's healthy and, if you're bringing 30 teams or if it's 20 teams, I mean, I, I did see that Steve Kerr said he doesn't think that the bottom part, the bottom teams in the NBA are going to play again. Um, and That's interesting. I mean, I get it. Like, what's the point? Right. So, I mean, if, there, if those teams are out and you bring in like 16 playoff teams uh, and the two, the, the ninth and 10th seeds in each conference and you say, all right, we're going to, we're going to figure out the this is going to be our our so-called playoff pool and we're going to figure it out uh however you do it round robin style and then you can even experiment like hey we're going to do the play in here so this is a, these are going to be the playoffs and we're just jockeying for position right now and we're setting up the playoff like play in tournament and then that's then we're going to move forward and you just do it all from Las Vegas um that would be 20 teams which you know cuts some of the logistics a little bit because you have uh, hundreds of players and staff that won't be there. But you still have to make sure that these guys are healthy, which requires testing, which I think requires tests to be more widely available to everybody because you just can't have the league testing 300 people when people outside of Las Vegas or within Las Vegas can't get the test. I mean, there has to be some level of that. I yeah, they and they already had that like kind of the pushback on it was like how are these sure. NBA players able oh, to get tested and all these teams get tested when like no one could at the time and it's gotten a little bit better recently but yeah well like there's some optics of it that you've got to be careful of and that you need to figure out just from like a PR standpoint. Yeah, and then it is Las Vegas and there is the strong possibility like at that point you'd think there's some return to normalcy. Okay. Uh, you got to think that maybe somehow we've, we've crested on these cases. We're on the downside. Uh, I think that would have to be part of the kind of feeling before we could bring sports back. Uh, 
but it doesn't mean that it's cured. There are still no vaccines and all that stuff. And it's still Las Vegas. And if people are going to be there, all it takes is one. Even if you've quarantined everybody, even if you did shut down the Bellagio and just gave it to the NBA and put those teams in there, all it takes is one player, one staff member, one coach, whoever, a ref to go to a restaurant, to have somebody over, to whatever. Yeah, well, that's that. So that is probably what the biggest concern would be. Let's be realistic here. I, you know, I'm not as worried about people going to restaurants if they're even open, but having people come to their rooms is, you know, in Vegas is probably the biggest concern there. Right. Well, I mean, whatever it is, whatever, yeah. it is, any way that they can expose themselves to the virus. Um, if one person gets it, that jeopardizes the entire thing because there's just no, there's no social dis- distancing when you're playing basketball. So if everybody's tested negative, you've got to put them in that bubble and, and stress to them, like, we're, we're making up hundreds of millions of dollars here, potentially. Uh, don't screw it up by having somebody come to your room. You know what I mean? So that, that's one of the downsides, one of the yes. risks. Uh, but Vegas, I can see it. I, I can actually see it's the, it's the first thing that I've heard that makes me think, huh, they might actually be able to do it because they've already planned for a big NBA event in Vegas and that that's a head start that is invaluable right now yeah absolutely I I fully agree and hopefully we can at least just get some games because that would be pretty awesome that would be fun it would be great to watch basketball on TV but in the meantime we've got to watch something uh, the historical games are good but we've got a couple of ideas for other great NBA programming that I think we should install right now. I'm going to call ESPN right after this break. Jake, I don't know about uh, what's going on down in New Orleans on TV, but up here in Boston, they're showing some classic Celtics games. I feel like that's kind of been going on around these regional networks. Some of these these great games in the past, playoff games. Uh, you know, we're going all the way back to 1986. We're, we're doing all kinds of things, uh, which I think is great. And you know, even on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, we're going back to through the annals of time, history uh, to. Uh, to, to kind of fill some of the time, but uh, there are other ways to fill NBA programming. Uh, the ESPN, in fact, moved up its release date of the Michael Jordan documentary. It responded to online bullying to re- to move up the release date, and we're getting we're getting the Jordan documentary in a couple of weeks. So, yes, I'm I'm only kind of excited about that, to be honest. Like Jordan. Wasn't exactly the most interesting dude off the court, I don't think. So, you know, what, 10 plus hours of that? I'm going to be kind of, like, I'm going to watch it because what else am I going to do right now? I've already finished Tiger King. So um, we're going to watch that. But, man, I don't know if that's the most interesting idea to, like, have right now, huh? Well, I mean, I'm interested in that, but I've got better ideas. I think there are better ways to fill that time. Uh, and, we're, and we're good at this. We, we came up with a TV show called Black Ops Basketball at one point. Don't forget. That's true. That's true. So we've got we've got we've got ways to do this. So here here's my idea. Here's my idea for filling the void. 
I want NBA TV to do a marathon of mic'd up. Every player that's been mic'd up, let it fly. Don't give us those little two minute, those little like two, two sentence bites. Give us the whole game, the whole thing. Go back. You can even go back prior year, whatever it is. So you don't like give away secrets or anything like that, but give us everything these players have said to each other because I guarantee you there's some great stuff on there that we have never seen. Uh, especially if you go back to Kevin Garnett. In fact, if you do Kevin Garnett mic'd up, it'd have to be like on HBO. Yeah, that would not, that would need to be, uh, like a premium channel type of thing. I, this is interesting. I, I contend, I'm sorry. I no, contend no, you're good. that somebody, some editor, now I've spent a lot of time working in television, so I know the, how these editors work. They keep stashes, uh, of the greatest stuff that can't, can't be aired. Somebody at NBA Entertainment, somewhere, I guarantee has a Kevin Garnett mic'd up folder of all of the crazy things that he has said on the floor that has never seen the light of day that needs to be released. Yeah, that'd be okay. I'd watch that for sure. Right. Like 100% would, would, well, I, I've heard some of the stories about him and like that sounds wonderful and I dig it. I was thinking more in the vein of documentaries, but oh, we could do documentaries. No, I, so I got two that I'd be curious, but uh, kind of keep it in your theme. Like, can we get more uh, maybe uncut footage of Popovich and press conferences and do and turn that into something <laughs> like everyone loves? Like, I mean, sometimes they would be really short and like three seconds of him just being like, yes, no. And very terse to some of the answers, but like, there's gotta be some like really good stuff in there somewhere. Right. Oh, absolutely. Like somewhere in the vault, this there are, mythical vault. There are gems. There, he is one of the uh, ge- like. I want him. I want Draymond Green. I want all of the like. If you're gruff, if you're a big crap talker, like that, that's right on point. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, like best of trash talk would be really good. And like, like don't bleep anything out. Like put it all out there. Like that, yes. would, and maybe the situation that led to it. Like I would dig that. I think that would be really fun. Yeah. Oh, totally. What's your other? Okay. Idea? There we go. That's a, that's wonderful. So for documentaries, I had two ideas. One that I'd really like to see kind of get like a deep dive in. And I think it's been written about before would be the Western Conference finals between the Lakers and Kings back in 02. I was in high school in LA at the time. You yeah. know, I think that would be a really fun one to look at that whole series and also maybe spend an episode on if it was rigged or not to get the Lakers into the finals. <laughs> Sure. Like, let's just get full on weird with the conspiracy theory, at least in basketball, I think would be good. And then another one that might be interesting that has kind of big, like far reaching impact on the NBA today from when it happened might be more about the James Harden trade from the Thunder to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a almost like a ver- like an oral history. Type Something of like that. Yeah. 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 The. Well, yeah, because then you would have to get Clay Bennett to to like admit, like, yeah, I just I didn't want to pay. That would be kind of the fun thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to pay the uh, the tax. Getting so worried about money and all of that. Yeah, yeah, just like you know, it would be fun. almost like you ever watch Drunk History? No, I haven't, but I have friends who swear by that. It is hilarious. That I, I want Drunk History NBA. So like, you get. Uh, you get the players involved who were involved there. You just get them drunk and tell the story. You know what I mean? You just get Clay Bennett drunk and be like, all right, 
tell, spill it. What's, what, what is it? And just hear the, the drunk versions of, of these stories. I, I'm, I'm all in on that. Sam Presti, get Sam Presti hammered and be like, come on. Okay. So that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, how could you do one about the process and like what went on in Philly? And I'm just like, I don't even think it would be that interesting because everything was so above the board on what exactly they were doing. Like, we know it. There's no untold story there, is there? Right. Um, I mean, sure. There's probably some behind the scenes stuff of everything, but like, there's we knew be, what they were doing. Yeah, but there's got to be some of like, come on, Sam, are you serious? Like, like just hinky telling all the stories or, or uh, the people around him saying like, come on. Yeah, that would be good. Enough. Enough of this. Um, yeah, I want, I, I've decided for produced shows, I want drunk history NBA where NBA figures get drunk and tell stories, NBA historical stories. Uh, Do you think this is more interesting than them playing 2K against each other? Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I just can't. <laughs> I can't. I, and this is a generational thing. I cannot. Uh, I'm, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I'm too old <laughs> to be in that demographic. Uh, I Watching somebody play the video games, again, that's not going to scratch my itch. That watching that does not like get me go, Oh man, whew, basketball is back. Now I feel good. No, it doesn't. That doesn't. The reason I watch the basketball is because not only do I love the basketball, but there's the drama of the standings and, and the playoffs and, and the jockeying for position and, and all of that stuff. Like I love watching these historical games. It's like, all right. Yeah. That, that was fun. That was fun. But it's, it's, it's still, a little different when you know the outcome, I think. Right. Like, it, it's fun to watch Larry Bird do that stuff again uh, and Michael Jordan do that stuff again. But, like, I want to know who makes who makes the playoffs. I want to know if the Celtics get up to the third seed. I want to know – or the second seed. Like, I, I want to know these things. So uh, that's part of what makes it. So the, the, the video game part of it is, like, I'm sure it would be mildly entertaining, but it doesn't – that does not float my boat at all. No, I'd rather have the trash talk on the court from like stuff that's happening because I think that'd be more interesting. Uh, give me than their trash talk in 2K. Yep, mic'd up. I like your idea. Conspiracy theories, like the NBA's greatest conspiracy. Theories. That'd be that'd be a good one. And there's a lot. Yeah, oh yeah. If we can get that old Dateline guy who who has like that that kind of like sing song, and then the Kings, like just that up and down. And then, okay, and I dig like, it. Like lean into it. Right. Just really just go like hyper, like the guy that, uh, SNL parodies, like that guy, like, um, and then the referees made a stunning call and then, you know, like just really play it up. Um, so like, I like that. I'm, I'm still all in drunk history. Yep. We fixed it. We fixed the program. All right. There we go. We've yep. got the content for you all. The, you guys have our addresses. You can put the checks in the mail. Come on, ESPN. Like, don't hand deliver them. Come on. We're giving this stuff away for free, ESPN. Let's go. Let's make this happen here. All right. Uh, we're also giving away this podcast for free daily, Monday through Friday. So please subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. If you haven't done that yet, good written reviews, Apple podcasts, uh, Google Podcast, wherever you can give a five-star rating and a good written review is also very much appreciated. And also by, be sure to check out Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Uh, that's that's a, a big new show. We were talking about the draft earlier. That's going to be a place to keep in touch with all of your draft needs. On Wednesdays, I'm John Corrales. I host the Lockdown Celtics podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Red's Army underscore John. 
And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. That's it. Stay safe. Wash your hands, people.